This is part 4 titled Rules of Engagement in this sermon series on spiritual realities. Be enriched as you listen. All right, today is the last Sunday of the month and as we normally do the last Sunday of the month is what we call as supernatural Sunday. And that doesn't mean other days are not supernatural or other Sundays are not supernatural. Uh, for us, as we walk with God and in the power of His Spirit, every day is a day when we can expect God to intervene in our lives. But what we do is on the last Sunday of the month, we gear the service towards ministering, healing and deliverance and praying for people and uh, seeing God work in their lives. And that's what we would do in our uh, in-person services. But we're just continuing to do the same online uh, and uh, just you know believe God that he would work in your life, meet your need, whether there's a need for healing in your body, in your emotions, uh, for an intervention in your life situations. Maybe there are challenges, maybe in the workplace, maybe professionally, financially, uh, relationally, or in uh, some other matters. Uh, we believe God for his intervention. Uh, maybe there are legal matters going on. We want God to intervene in that or property matters going on. We want God to intervene in that. I know over the years we've seen God do wonderful things over and over again. And that's what the last Sunday of the month, uh, we set it aside for that. So we just preach a simple message and then we uh, pray uh, and just believe God to do those things. So what we're going to do is this. Uh, we are going to continue in our sermon series that we've been doing over the last several weeks We've been talking about spiritual realities, and so we're going to continue with that sermon today, or part four uh, in the sermon series on spiritual realities. Uh, but I'm going to present it in a very simple way uh, that will build faith, encourage faith in our hearts, and then we are going to get into a time of prayer and just believing God to uh, work in our lives. So I want you to be expectant in uh, in in this in this time that you're listening. You know, expectation is a big thing as far as uh, the works of God are concerned, the miracles of God are concerned. Low expectation means lower miracles. Great expectation means you will see great miracles. You'll see God do great things. God is drawn by our expectation. Expectation is like a pull on, on the work of God. So you expect God, expect Him uh, to work supernaturally in your life situations today. And uh, he will do that. Now, we're going to spend some time in the Word of God. And uh, as I mentioned, this is part four in the sermon series on spiritual realities. We've been um, talking about this the last several weeks. And if in case you've missed the previous sermons, I'd encourage you to uh, please go back. You can watch them on YouTube or go to our church website, apcwo.org slash sermons, where all our Sunday sermons are, are available. And the sermon notes are also there, so you can download them. And I'll encourage you to do that. Download the sermon notes while you're listening to the sermon uh, so you could receive as much as possible. Now, what we've done uh, in this whole, so, so far in this series is we've uh, tried to understand the reality of uh, the unseen realm, that there is this unseen realm. It is a real uh, realm, although it's not tangible to our natural senses. So it's beyond, it's outside the realm uh, of our 
natural senses, but it is, as we call it, the unseen realm or the spiritual realm. But it is a very real realm. And what we did say is God is a spirit being. He dwells in this unseen realm. It's a realm outside time. Uh, it's a realm of in eternity. God dwells in the eternal now. Uh, he's at the beginning, at the end of time as we know it. Uh, at the same time, uh, he dwells in the eternal now. And uh, this, uns this spiritual realm, uh, God in the spiritual realm is the one who created the natural realm. So the natural came out of the spiritual. So everything of the natural is subject to the spiritual. And then we talked about you know, God's perspective of the natural realm. And how does God see things uh, that are happening in our world, in the natural realm? We discussed that in the second part of this series. And then in part three of the series, last Sunday, we talked about the believer's perspective. As a believer, how should I, I you know, connect? How should I look at the spiritual realm? Uh, one of the things we emphasize is that we must be aware that we are really spiritual beings. God created our spirit, soul, and body, and you are a spiritual being. And uh, the soul and the body are given to us to engage in the natural world. Uh, but you really are a spirit. We are spiritual beings. And so developing our spiritual functions, we mentioned the seven functions of the human spirit. And developing those spiritual functions is very important. And then learning to live from the spiritual into the natural is very important. So having said all of that, we want to develop this a little further today, and we'll continue this next Sunday. We want to talk about rules of engagement today. So what we're trying to address is how do we as believers engage with the spiritual realm so that we can bring change or effect change in the natural realm. So when there are things in our world, in the natural world, that we are faced with, difficulties, mountains, obstacles, all kinds of things, problems. And we must understand that God has not left us just to our own natural abilities to solve those problems or resolve those matters. He didn't say, you go figure it out yourself, all the best. That's not the way God wants us to live. He's invited us really, or he has designed us first of all, to live from the spiritual into the natural. And so how do we engage the spiritual realm to bear upon the natural realm? So when you're faced with a problem, when you're faced with some sickness, of course there are things we should do and we will do in the natural because we are living in the natural world and we'll talk more about that next Sunday. But our interest today is how do we engage with the spiritual world so that God and all who he is and everything he's made available to us will therefore come to bear on our life situations, the challenges we face, uh, whatever that we are going through. So that's what we are trying to address. Now, if we want to really respond to this and, you know, itemize all the things that could be done, you know, we could probably come up with a list of 25 different things or uh, maybe more in, uh, you know, we could itemize these things. The Bible says this, the Bible says this, the Bible says this. We can do all these things to engage the spiritual realm and bring that to bear on the natural realm. So we can actually make a long list. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to just present to us four very simple and yet very important things for us 
to move in, to engage in, in the spiritual realm in order to bring change in the natural. I'm just going to condense all the things that we find in Scripture, try to put them into these four main important primary of uh, great importance uh, in these four main topics or themes and then just share a little bit on each one of them. Now, understand that under each one of these four things that I've mentioned today uh, as rules of engagement, they're really vast in Scripture, vast subjects in Scripture, but I'm just going to hit upon some of the main points, and uh, we may we have spoken of all of these things in the past, and so you can go and explore each one of these four things in greater depth. So uh, four main rules of engagement for a believer. Now, as I'm speaking to believers, I'm speaking to people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who believe in the Word of God, who believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, keep in mind that the unsaved man can also engage with the spiritual realm, but the dark side of the spiritual realm, and he also engages uh, in some sort of a similar way to the four things that I mentioned. Uh, they have a different expression of it, and they engage with the spiritual realm. And I might make mention of you know, if needed, as we go along on what they would do. So the first most important thing, first rule of engagement is always engage the natural world on the basis of the cross. The cross. The main thing about the Bible is the cross of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul writes about this so powerfully in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 18 to 24, I love that passage where Paul says, you know, we preach Christ and him crucified. And I'm just summarizing some of these things. Paul says the, the cross of Jesus, the message of the cross is the power of God and it is the wisdom of God. And uh, it, the cross of Jesus is the basis on which you and I engage from the spiritual into the natural, the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus is central to God's redemptive work uh, for man, for people. Without the cross, we will never be, we would never have been redeemed. But the cross is everything. What Jesus Christ did for us on the cross is everything. God did not withhold his only son, but gave him up freely for us all. And therefore, with him, he will also freely give us all things. So through the cross, God has provided for everything. So when we engage with anything in the natural, we first of all are doing it on the basis of the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so understanding the power of the cross, understanding the completed work of the cross is so important for us as every believer. On the cross, Jesus bore our sins and our sins were dealt with once for all. And so he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we should become the righteousness of God. So that's been done with. It's been dealt with. So therefore, uh, we accept and embrace the fact that we are the righteousness of God. So when the enemy attacks us in our mind, putting guilt, shame, condemnation, of feelings of unworthiness, feelings of inferiority, a feeling of, you know, I'm not worth anything, a sense of worthlessness. We deal with those things in our mind on the basis of the cross. The cross tells me I'm worth everything to God. The cross tells me that I am God's beloved and I'm accepted by God. So 
He became sin so we could become the righteousness of God. On the cross, Jesus took our sicknesses and diseases so that by his wounds, we have been healed. So when you and I are fighting sickness and disease, we do it on the basis of the cross. We say sickness and disease, I resist you from my body. Why? Because the work was done on the cross. It was taken care of on the cross. When we deal with um, Anything else that causes disturbance, the Bible says the punishment to bring us wholeness. This is Isaiah 53, verse 4, 5, and 6. Uh, the punishment to bring us wholeness was upon him. So uh, he bore the punishment, the pain, and the suffering so that we could have wholeness. That word there is shalom, meaning total well-being in every sphere of life. So if there's anything that is outside of shalom, we resist it. Anything that disturbs your mind, Anything that disturbs your finances, anything that disturbs your peace, you resist it. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for you and me to have shalom. It is ours. The work was done. So on the basis of the cross, we resist, we reject anything that disturbs shalom. So the cross is the basis for everything we do. Now, if you're fighting addictions, you're fighting things that are enslave you. The Bible says that uh, the old man of sin was destroyed on the cross. This is Romans 6 and verse 6. So that we who are dead are free from sin. Romans chapter 6 and verse 7. And then Romans 6 verse 14 says sin will not have dominion over us. So on the basis of the cross, we say, I will not be a slave to anything here on earth. I'm not going to be controlled by any addiction, by any anything that can control me. No. Why? Because the cross is my emancipation. The cross is my complete freedom. So the cross is central to how we deal with things on the earth. Uh, the cross also declares, announces Satan's defeat on the cross. Jesus crushed the head of the serpent. He condemned him. He judged him once for all. He rendered him powerless. He stripped him of all of his power uh, on the cross. Satan was defeated and he's been put underneath our feet. So when we stand up against demonic forces, attacks of the enemy against us in any form or any way, on the basis of the cross, we resist. Or when we are ministering to people, somebody comes to us and says, you know, please help me. I'm being troubled, I'm being disturbed. How do we minister? On the basis of the cross. We say, because of the cross, Satan, I command you, leave. I, I command those wicked spirits to leave. Why? Because they have been already defeated on the cross. And we are just enforcing the victory of the cross in that situation, in that person's life, or in our own lives. We are just moving on the basis of the cross. So the cross is so central to our engaging the spiritual realm in the natural. The cross, so importantly, established us and brought us into a blood covenant with Almighty God. Now think of it. We are in a blood covenant with God. The blood covenant is the highest form of covenant that anybody can make. It is even more powerful than any legal contract signed by any human on the earth. The blood covenant is an unbreakable life for life promise uh, that we have entered in with God. On one side is God, the other side is you and I. We are in a blood covenant with God. And God says, I will never break my covenant to you. I will, that the, the mountains may depart. But my covenant will not leave you, is what he says. He's so committed to that covenant. And you and I, through the blood of Jesus, are in this unbreakable blood covenant with God. And so on the authority and the basis of that blood covenant, 
and all that God has made available to us through that blood covenant, we stand and we say, this is ours. We're not going to let the enemy steal, kill, or destroy anything that Jesus Christ has made available to us through the covenant he established for us on the cross. So the blood covenant is so important, so powerful. So anytime you and I want to engage the natural world, deal with any circumstance, any situation, whether it's for ourselves personally or whether it's for people, we do it on the basis of the finished work of Christ on the cross. Everything that you and I need has been made available through the cross of Jesus Christ. And you and I must be convinced about it and that from that, we operate. So we're not striving to obtain something. We're just already, we're just receiving what God has made, already made available to us through the finished work of Christ on the cross. That's why when we partake of the Lord's table, that is so powerful because we are proclaiming the Lord's death. We are announcing our faith in the cross of Jesus. Paul says we drink the cup of blessing. So it's the cup of blessing that we receive. And I'm saying we are receiving that blessing uh, of the cross when we drink that cup and we eat that bread. We are saying we are one with Christ and we are also one with each other. It's a very powerful proclamation of the finished work of the cross. Now, just as an aside, you see, the cross represents sacrifice. Now, how do the ungodly, the unsaved do that? They engage the world, the spiritual world, by making their own sacrifices. So that's why you'll find in so many cultures, uh, different kinds of sacrifices. Some, some of them may sacrifice animals. Uh, they may do blood sacrifices. They may do other kinds of sacrifices. And through those sacrifices, they are trying to engage the dark side of the spirit world. But we are, are, are going through this one complete, absolute, perfect sacrifice of God's own son on the cross. We're engaging the spiritual into the natural on the basis of that. So understand that very, very, very important and move on the basis of the cross. Be so absolutely confident in what Christ finished for us on the cross. The second rule of engagement for us with the spiritual world is submission to God. Submission to God, like we mentioned last time, Hebrews 12 tells us that we must come in subjection to the Father of spirits. Submission to God. We come into this place of yieldedness, of consecration, of dedication unto God. Now, submission is so important because when we submit to God, we are saying, God, I'm giving you permission to work in my life. Like we said in the very beginning, God will not override our will. In the normal way of things, God has created each one of us as free moral beings, free, uh, with a free will. So submission is you and me willingly coming to a place and saying, God, I'm yielding my will to your will. That, us, that is us doing it willingly. That's why it's so powerful. It's so important that us submitting ourselves to God. You see, what, what went wrong in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve submitted to the wrong voice. And so submitting to the voice of God, to what God had instructed them, they submitted, they yielded, they willing cho willingly chose to come in submission to the voice of Satan. And so when they came under, uh, when they obeyed him, submitted him, 
he became Lord. And that's why Satan could tell, you know, he told Jesus and in, in during the, the three temptations uh, recorded for us in the Gospels, he said, you know, I will give you all of this because it has been delivered to me. You know, all the glory of the earth was delivered to Satan by one act of submission. And that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. But now in the New Testament, the Bible is calling you and me as believers saying, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That means Adam submitted to the devil. The Bible is saying you submit to God and you resist the devil and he will flee. Submission is so important. So submission is the channel through which authority and power flows. Submission is the channel through which God's kingdom is released in our lives. So when we submit to God, God moves in, in those areas. Now, how do we submit to God? By willingly surrendering our spirit, soul, and body to what God has said. That's why his word is so important. You're going to read the word to find out what did God say. And then we obey that. We follow that. We align our will. We align our choices. We align our decisions to the word of God. We submit to God. We, we uh, walk in obedience to his word. We uh, do acts of consecration. That means we express our consecration to God through a life of holiness, uh, through walking in purity, making godly choices, staying away from uh, ungodliness and things that are evil. They're expressions of our consecration. They're expressions of our dedication. You take time away to worship God, to pray, to read the word, there may be times you fast and you stay away from food or other things. All these are acts of consecration are expressions of our submission to God. So you can put all of this together, the fasting you do, the praying you do, uh, the reading of the word, the meditation of the word, uh, the listening to the word of God, the obedience to the word. All these acts of consecration express our submission to God. And through that submission flows the authority of God. So when we want to see change in the natural, you know, if we are not in submission, that's going to be a problem. You know, so it's a very difficult thing when people come and say, please pray for me. Uh, I, I need God to, you know, resolve my financial problems. I need God to resolve problems in my marriage. I need God to resolve problems in my family pro and all of these things. But if they're not willing to walk in submission to God, so okay, well, let me tell you what the word of God says first. Oh, no, 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 I don't want to listen to the word. Just pray for me, make it happen. Look. You cannot engage the spiritual into the natural by swishing a magic wand. It doesn't happen like that. We have to first commit submission to God. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and you're free from you. Now, God is a merciful God. Uh, we understand the power of the anointing. We understand that we can minister to people. And so uh, there are times when... We pray and minister, and a person may not be in submission to God at that moment, but God ministers, God works a wonderful deliverance, a wonderful healing, a wonderful miracle. And then they experience that, they're very happy, but then they still have to make a choice whether at that moment they're going to now come in submission to God or continue in their race outside of the submission of God. And that is a very, that is a, 
you know, pivotal point. It's a determining factor. If they choose to walk in submission to God, they can continue in that place of blessing and victory that God uh, brought into their lives. But if they choose to just walk outside of, you know, walk in rebellion and dis disobedience, well, they're going to lose. They're going to forfeit the good blessing of God in their lives sooner or later. So understand that when we want to see God work, in a certain area of our lives or areas of our lives, we need to come into submission. That's the second rule of engagement. God, what do I need to do to bring that area of my life in submission to you? Sometimes for believers, strife, things like, you know, these things which we don't think of very often, strife. You know, when you're fighting with somebody, maybe your spouse or some your, work, or your boss in your workplace, you get into strife or your colleague in your workplace or other people, and you get into strife, uh, when you get into envy and jealousy, these things, uh, we may not think too much about them, but these things move us out of submission to God and it opens the door to the enemy. I'm talking about believers. When believers get into strife and jealousy, uh, backbiting, uh, speaking ill of each other and all of these things, look, you're stepping out of submission to God. You're not in a place of consecration to God. What are you doing? You're making yourself vulnerable to the works of the enemy coming in. James chapter 3 says, where envy and jealousy and selfish ambition is, there is every evil work. So that means when you begin to move in jealousy and selfish ambition, motivated by self, you know, your own self, you know, this is opening the door to the enemy and every evil work comes in to the life of the believer. So it is so important for you and me to stay in submission to God. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, and he said in verse 27, give no place to the devil. See, that's our responsibility. I stay in submission to God. I bring my life in submission to God. I do acts of consecration. That means I pray. I read his word. I worship him. I, I, I may fast and, and seek his face. Uh, I, I, I give uh, into the kingdom of God. All these things are acts of consecration that demonstrate my submission to God. And that is very important in causing the spiritual realm to begin to bear on the natural realm. So understand that second rule of engagement, which is submission and consecration to God. And there are different ways that we express that in our daily lives. The third rule of engagement, which I want to talk about and many of us are uh, familiar with, is our faith in God. You see, there are many things that are of, of, of importance in the Christian life, uh, uh, in our everyday life. But uh, if you ask me one thing that's really important and what we see Jesus emphasizing in his ministry is faith in God. When people came to him and they came to him for healing, and they came to him for deliverance from demonic powers. Uh, and they came to him for, for, for different needs. One thing, and only one thing, he asked of them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? I mean, do you believe? Do you have faith in God? And we see this throughout the ministry of Jesus. He taught faith and he encouraged people to have faith in God. You know, and we know the wonderful teaching of Jesus in and in, 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 in Mark chapter 11, verses 22, 23, you know, he said, have faith in God. And then he said, whoever will say to the mountain, move from here to there and not doubt in their heart, but believe that what they say will come to pass. They will have whatever they say. So he says, have faith in God 
then you can affect change in the natural. The mountains in the natural world can move. Things in the natural world will obey you. Have faith in God. So that's the third thing. As believers, we must walk by faith in God. We must learn. We must make the effort on what, what does it mean to have faith in God? How do I have faith in the word of God? Uh, how do I intentionally exercise faith in God? How do I put out my faith as a shield? Because the Bible says, take the shield of faith with which you can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. How do I walk in faith so that I can walk as an overcomer? Because the Bible says, you know, in 1 John 5, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. But this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So it is through faith we're going to live as overcomers, walk victorious. How do I walk in faith? You know, when Jesus calmed the wind and the waves on, on, the, stormy, on the, stormy, uh, the storms on the lake, he turned around to his disciples and he asked them one question, where is your faith? In other words, you can calm the winds and the waves with your faith. You could do just what I did. Where is your faith in this situation? So when the, when the winds and the waves and the storms of life are coming, what is Jesus asking you and me to do? Where is your faith? Stand up in faith. Do what I did. Calm the winds. Rebuke the winds and the storms. Tell them to be at peace. So he wants us to walk in faith and cause our faith to bear upon life's situation. So this is the third rule of engagement. That when you are faced with a situation, say, what can I do? in this situation through my faith in God. Of course, there are things that you may need to do in the natural, and we'll address that next Sunday. But importantly, what can I do with faith in God? What will having faith in God in this situation look like? How can I walk in faith in this situation? That I believe God, that I believe His Word. Because in every situation, we have to walk by faith and not by sight. If faith believes God, it believes his word. And, and we must learn the dynamics of it, how to walk in faith. And uh, we have a teaching on faith available. I think twice we've done it. So both series on faith are available on our church website. You go to our homepage and you'll find under the recommended series, faith series one and faith series two. And you can listen to it. We talk about you know, how to engage uh, thing, how to engage the spiritual realm with faith in God. But that's the third important thing. Have faith in God. And I come down to the last rule of engagement, number four, and it is the words we speak. The words we speak. You know, this is the way God works. God is a spiritual being. When he wanted to make or create whatever he did, the Bible says God did just one thing. He spoke. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Psalm 33, uh, verse 6 and 9 tell us. That God just spoke these things into existence. Hebrews eleven three says, you know, by faith we understand that the heavens were framed by the word of God. So God spoke his word and all of creation came into existence. So the word of God was a carrier of God's design, of God's power, of God's creative ability. And that's what the Bible, book of Hebrews says, the word of God's alive and full of power. Words are very important when we want to engage the spiritual realm in the natural realm. And God designed us that way. He created you and me as spiritual beings. That means you and I can now operate out of the spiritual realm. 
And he gave us the ability to speak words. And he designed words to be powerful. Uh, Proverbs 18, 20 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So we must understand our words are very powerful. And there's scriptures all across the Old and the New Testament that teach us the power of our words. And our words engage the spiritual with the natural. See, salvation happens. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 10 is a very powerful passage. Salvation, experiencing salvation, includes our confession, our declaration of faith. It says, if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, and confess him with your mouth, you will be saved. I have to declare, I have to speak words that say, Jesus is my Lord. I believe, I make a proclamation of my faith, and that causes the salvation of God to come into my life. Believing puts us in a place of righteousness. That means in right standing with God, because it says with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. You come into a place, you're now in the right standing with God, you're in the right place. But to experience salvation, it says, with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That means when you now, standing in that place of righteousness, you now make your declaration, you now make your confession, it brings salvation. It's unto salvation. Salvation now, the work of God of saving, healing, delivering, um, rescue and protection now comes into your life. So our words bring salvation. And we must understand that. You know, many uh, believers don't even understand this fourth rule of engagement. They use their words lightly. You know, they speak bad about things in their life, and then they wonder why life is so bad. Well, look, check up on your words. What have you been speaking? You are, uh, you're not using this rule of engagement properly to your own benefit. You're actually exercising that rule to your own detriment. And that's why things are bad. Change your speaking. Your world will change. Speak the word of God. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Now, uh, we have a book available on our church website. It's called Speak Your Faith. We go through all the passages from Genesis to Revelation, almost all the passages that teach us the importance of speaking faith-filled words and how those words affect our world. So I want you to take this fourth rule very seriously. You know, authority is exercised through words. And you want uh, to exercise the authority God has given you. What must you do? Speak words. You say, in the name of Jesus, Satan, I command you to leave. In the name of Jesus, I command the mountain to leave. In the name of Jesus, I command the sickness to leave. Your words, through your words, you are exercising authority. You're exercising dominion. Understand the power of words, that your words, you are just not a physical being, you're a spiritual being. So your words are actually coming out in, out of the spiritual into the natural. They're engaging the spiritual into the natural. Your words are like a connector of the spiritual to the natural. And so you must understand the power of faith-filled words, the power of speaking the word of God, of declaring the promises of God. That's when Ephesians 6, it says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So you want to fight against the enemy. What must you do? Take the word of God. How do you use the sword? It's a double-edged sword that comes out of our mouth. We have to speak the word of God. Four rules of engagement that we've shared with you today. Number one, the cross of Jesus Christ. Number two, it's our submission to God. Number three, it's our faith in God. Number four, it's words that we speak. And it's 
taught throughout scripture. Now, just to make mention very quickly, uh, the unsaved actually engage the spiritual realm with these same four principles. Like I said in the beginning, they too have their own forms of sacrifices uh, that they make that parallels the cross. Secondly, they have their own forms of consecration. They may go on their fasts. They may go on their you know, forms of dedication and consecration, you know, different things that they do, uh, making sacrifices and so on, expressing submission. Number three, they believe, but it's in the wrong things. Number four, they speak words. They cast spells. They uh, you know, speak all kinds of things. But they're ex actually exercising these same four rules to engage the dark side of the spiritual world into the natural. So there is this parallel, but you and I understand it from a biblical perspective. These are rules of engagement by which we can cause the spiritual to bear upon the natural. What are you going through today? Where do you want God to step in? Let's apply these four things. Number one, understand God's provision for that need through the cross. Number two, other things you need to do to come in submission to God. Do you need to forgive somebody? When you forgive, you're saying, God, I'm submitting to you because that's a commandment he gave to us. Do you need to express love to somebody? Do you need to give something to somebody as an act of uh, blessing them? You know, what do you need to do as an act of submission to God? Thirdly, how can you believe God in that situation? Say, God, I believe your promise. Take a hold of the promise for that situation. Believe God. Then you believe God. You're saying, God, you're welcome to come in and intervene in my life situation. And number four, declare the promise of God. Speak the word of God. Your words are powerful. So use your words to your advantage, not to your own destruction. Use your words to your own blessing, not to your own cursing. Use words, speak the word of God over that matter, over that situation. Now, what we're going to do today is this. I'm going to invite the worship team just to lead us in a song. Uh, we're going to just worship God together. And then we're going to come back and we're going to pray. And whatever your need is, I want you to expect and say, God, I'm going to do the four things I heard today. I'm going to look to the cross and say, my, my need is provided for. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to believe God for his touch his powerful work in your life, and he will do it. The healing presence of the Lord is here. The healing presence of the Lord is here. A God and King who made everything is here. of the Lord is here. The healing presence of the Lord is here. A God and King who made 
presence of the Lord is here. The healing presence of the Lord is here. Our God and King who made everything is here. He said, let there be light. He said, let there be said Lazarus rise and he rose he said rise up and walk and the lame man walk he makes all things new he is giving new signs
Thank you, worship team. And uh, I hope you are ready now to pray. Whatever your need is, if you need healing in your body, if you are able to do it, put your hand on that part of your body you want healing, where you want Jesus to heal you. You know, uh, if, if we were in an in-person service, you would probably come in a prayer line and our pastors and other leaders would be laying hands on you. Sometimes they will anoint you with oil and they'll pray and minister to you. Now we can't do that, but as an act of your faith, you put your hand on the part of your body that you want Jesus to heal. Just the other day, I heard about just a testimony somebody shared with me during our prayer time in how one of our earlier services, as we were praying like this, a person uh, who had problems with his kidney, oh, sorry, with his liver, some problems with the liver, he placed his hand on, on, the, on, on that part of the body and, and God healed him. And those, those functions miraculously changed. And the doctors attested to that. How could it happen? You know, when he went back to the doctor, how could it happen? And, you know, it was simple. While we were praying, he laid his hands on that side of his body and God just healed and restored those functions there. So whatever you are, wherever which part of your body, you need Jesus to heal, you lay your hand over there. If it's an emotional thing, just put your hand over your head or your heart. If it's a physical thing, place your hand wherever you need Jesus to heal you. Now, others may be going through other situations. Maybe it's financial situation. Maybe it's a job-related thing. Maybe it's a marriage-related thing. Uh, so anything else. I want you to bear that up before God as we pray. And, you know, I'm just going to pray. Very simple prayer. But there is faith being released from here. I know that you will agree with me in faith. And God will answer. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same loving Jesus. He's the same compassionate Jesus. He's the same merciful Jesus. And he's the same powerful Jesus. He is the triumphant Jesus. And so we're going to pray and believe God. A simple prayer, but he does the work. Let's pray. Father, I just join my hearts together, my heart together with all the people listening, God. Each one, wherever they are, Father, right now we uh, pray for those who need healing in their bodies. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over every evil work. I take authority over sickness and disease. You are not from God. And therefore, in the name of Jesus, sickness and disease, I command you to leave. Uh, I command healing to your body in the name of Jesus. Because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, the word declares by his wounds, you have been healed. And so I declare healing for your body in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, even if you've had an injury, maybe you injured your knee, you've injured your ankle, you've had an accident and things have, you know, your bones have been broken or hurt in some way, receive your healing right now in the name of Jesus. I speak healing to your body in the name of Jesus. Problems with your internal organs, um, uh, receive your healing right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord God, I just thank you for touching the internal organs, even in the, uh, the lower part of your body. Uh, Lord, thank you for touching their internal organs, healing them in the name of Jesus. Uh, every chronic condition, uh, break its power off of your body. Let things be restored to normal in your body in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I take authority over chronic illnesses, 
in your body. Every spirit of infirmity, I command you to come out of those bodies, diabetic conditions, arthritic conditions, other uh, chronic illnesses, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for healing people. Thank you for delivering people. Thank you, oh God. Right now I pray for those who've got emotional problems, Problems in the area of the mind, the soul. The Bible says that his punishment brought us wholeness. So in the name of Jesus, I declare wholeness to your soul, your emotional being. Uh, Anxiety attacks, panic attacks, fear, tormenting fear, uh, oppression and depressive thoughts, suicidal thoughts. I'll break it off of your person. I break it off of your mind, off of your emotions. Every demonic power behind that, I command it to leave. Everything that has caused and disrupted the normal functions of the mind, of the of the emotions, I command it to leave in the name of Jesus. Let there be complete release right now in Jesus' name. By the power of the cross, let there be complete release for you in your emotions, in your mind, in the functions of your emotions. Let there be healing right now in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for people who are going through difficult situations and circumstances in life. God, uh, people going through difficult marriage situations, situations in their family relationships. God, in the name of Jesus, intervene, Father. I pray in your mercy, intervene. I pray in your mercy that there will be a change of hearts and minds of the people involved. I pray that supernaturally you will cause a change, Lord, of the hearts and minds of people involved. So there will be healing, there will be reconciliation, and there will be joy coming in. In the name of Jesus, God, only you can do it. And we ask that you will supernaturally cause a change of hearts and minds of people involved, causing about reconciliation and healing in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for people in their workplace situations, God, that there will be your mercy, your favor upon them. Uh, People who are looking for jobs, that they will receive jobs. People who are having difficulty in the workplace, God, that there will be favor upon them. There will be favor extended towards them so that good things will happen in their lives. God, your word says that you are a sun and you are a shield and no good thing will you withhold from those who walk uprightly. So God, release good things into their lives, Father. Let good things happen even in their workplace situations. And we thank you. We thank you for that. Father, we pray for people who got legal issues, legal problems going on, God, whether it's property matters or other matters that are, uh, that are legal cases going on. Father, you are the greatest judge, and we ask for your intervention in those matters. I know things have been difficult. Things have been drawn out so long. But Father, I pray for your intervention. I pray that you will intervene in those legal matters, and you will bring a quick resolution, a favorable resolution to those situations, even as people are praying right now. We thank you for doing it. We thank you for those interventions, God. We thank you. Lord, I also pray for restoration of things that have been lost. God, people have lost things. Things have been taken away from them. Material things have been taken away. People and relationships have been taken away. And today I speak a recovery of what was lost. God, even as David recovered everything that was lost, bring a recovery into their situation a recovery of property, things that were taken away, a recovery of people, 
who have been taken away, relationships that have been taken away, that there be a recovery of those things right now in their life situations. And I declare to you a recovery of what has been lost, a recovery of things that have been taken out of your life, that you will recover it. You'll recover it all, even as David recovered all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for all of these things. Thank you for your wonderful work and we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus name. Amen. I want to to encourage you to take a moment to send us testimonies as you see these things happen in your life. Send us your testimonies. It will encourage all our church staff, everybody who are serving behind the scenes uh, as they are able to read your testimonies. It will encourage them knowing that all the work they're doing uh, to bring these services to you is impacting your life. So take a moment to share your testimonies by email. The email is on your screen, testimony at apcw.org. Let us know what Jesus has done for you. Now, before we close, very important, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want you to pray right where you are and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Please help me to follow you. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you will call on Jesus, declare him as your Lord, as your Savior, you will be saved. You will become a child of God and you will grow in your faith and follow Jesus Christ the rest of your life. We're going to close. We look forward to seeing you again. Share this message with as many people as you would like to so that they can be encouraged and ministered to and be grateful to you for doing that. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, publication, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, please visit apcbiblecollege.org. Please remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the app or Google Play Store.